so moving to think about how good God is to us. And um, just, just moves my heart to try to express to him my thanks, my praise. And then I feel like everything that I can give him just falls so short. But he knows, doesn't he? He knows when we're giving him our whole heart. And when we do that, it means a lot to the Lord. I love the message of that song so much because it really helps me to think about how there really isn't a whole lot I can give to God except for the true hallelujah that comes from my heart. And when he sees that, he smiles. Praise God. He's so good. Once again, thank you, worship team, for leading in us in such good worship this morning. Before I get started, I just want to kind of give you a, a couple things. One is that if you didn't get a cup, a communion cup on the way in, you might want to do that. We're going to be taking communion at the end of the sermon, and I want to be a, everybody to have the opportunity to be able to do that together. And so if you don't have one of these, make sure you get one of these, all right? Um, the other thing is, I just want to kind of tell you before we get into the message today, that you might want to take out a piece of notebook paper and a pen, uh, because I have a lot of scripture references that I'm going to be going to, and if you don't get to them, actually, with turning into your, your word, uh, the, the Bible this morning, uh, you might want to jot them down so you can look them up later and read through them. They're all great, wonderful verses that I believe will minister to your heart, uh, not just today, but throughout the week. So you might want to do that. Uh, I wanted to stay in Luke chapter uh, 22. We're going to stay in Luke, the book of Luke today, uh, but really just for our, our text, our main text, but we're really going to be exploring a lot of other scriptures and really kind of digging into 1 Corinthians 11. So that's, you know, those two scriptures going hand in hand this morning. Uh, we're going to work on, uh, you know, what the Lord is saying to us in these scriptures. Uh, before we get started, I just want to ask, have you, had a, have you had a good week? Yeah? Anybody had a hard week? <laughs> yeah? Let's be honest, right? But it, this weather makes it hard. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a job that this weather has been a challenge this past week. And, uh, you know, just delivering, carrying things in the, in the snow and, you know, heavy stuff. And, uh, you know, just uh, it's hard to get a forklift around in uh, ice and snow and things like that. And so uh, we've had to, to carry things that sometimes we could just take with a forklift. So it, it's, it's been a challenge this week. And, of course, uh, driveways have been mentioned already today. Driveways are some of our biggest challenges right now. Amen? Amen. But uh, aren't you glad to be here this morning? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, whether you've had a good week, an easy week, or a hard week, and a difficult week, this is the place to be. Amen? 
Amen. I love it. I love being with God's people to worship the Lord together. And when we have the opportunity to come together, worship together, sing his praises together, read his word together, talk about what his word means for us, uh, receive from the Holy Spirit and the word of God, and then go out there and make a difference in the world for him. Boy, this, this is what we need to be doing. Amen. 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 Let's look at Luke 22. Um, 14 through 20, we're going to start right out with scripture this morning. And uh, you'll notice that it's, uh, it's about uh, communion, it's the Lord's Supper, it's the time of the Passover feast. And so uh, really the sermon today is leading right into our time of communion. Um, it's all about communion today, and we want to talk about what that means for us. So let's read this together. Uh, will you stand with me, please? Thank you. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. I was going to entitle this message, last, uh, Jesus' Last Wishes. Uh, but it just didn't feel like 100% accurate to call it that. But, I, but let me kind of help you understand what I was thinking when I said that. Uh, Jesus, at this point in time that we just read... Jesus knew that his time had come. He knew that he was just about, I mean, this was the night of, uh, that he was just about ready to be uh, arrested, put on trial, convicted, and then beaten and scourged, uh, humiliated, and crucified. He knew that all of this was going to take place, in fact, as we began to, to read our scripture text, uh, when we got to that, that, just that first verse, um, I think it was in the first verse, it says, um, I have, oh, it's the second verse, he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so he knew that he was right on, really right on death's door. And a lot of times when someone is right on death's door and they want to communicate things to people that they love, we call that last wishes. And so that was kind of my thought. That was kind of my idea. And, and, and it's interesting because when it's that time, when it's, when it's that crunch time, when it's that time in which uh, you know that you're going to depart, you know that you're, you're going to be leaving this world, I think a lot of times people who are sincere, people who really have a desire to leave their family with some things, they want to tell them some things there at the end. They want to be able to communicate some things in, in those last moments. And I know I do. 
I know I do. I, it, you know, I, I, I tend to try to say this, these kinds of things to my family now. But, uh, I, and I hope they remember, but because we never know if we're actually going to have that opportunity or not, right? We, we never know if we're actually going to have that opportunity to, to, uh, to know that we're dying and be right there in that moment in time in which we can talk and tell people the things that we want them to know. So I choose to tell my family things now. And I hope you'll do that as well because I think that's the right thing to do. But I want my family to know that I love them. Right? I want my family to know I love them. I want my wife to know that I love her. I want my kids to know that I love them. And, and I want them to know that I want them, when I'm gone, to love each other, to be there for one another, to care for one another, to take care of each other. You know, these are the kinds of things that I want them to know. I really want them to know that I expect them to continue to serve Jesus. <laughs> I want them to know that, that in my idea, in my thoughts, and my expectations, I want them to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want them to serve God. I want them to serve in the church. I want them to do the work of the Lord in their lives. And, and I, want, I want to leave them with those thoughts and ideas. And I want them to know, don't you dare, no matter how I depart from this earth, don't you dare use my departure as a reason to not believe. Because to me, if my family did that, it would, be like, it would be like a slap in the face of the legacy that I want to leave. Do you, do you, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? And so here is Jesus. And he is, he is aware that these are his last moments with his disciples. And, and I love the fact that he says... He says in that, in that 15th verse, he says, I have fervently desired to share this Passover with you. And what I think he's saying is, I have fervently desired to teach you some things right here at the end before I go. Before I suffer, these are some of the things that I want you to know. I have fervently desired. I have wanted this time to be with you, to share these things with you before I depart. I don't know about you, but when Jesus says that he fervently desires to share some things, my ears perk up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very attentive to what he has to say. Amen? I mean, that's the way we need to be. When Jesus says he fervently desires something, uh-oh, I better listen. I better pay attention, right? And so that's what's going on here. And I, and I believe that, that he wanted them to know uh, how uh, the, the, the cup, the bread and the cup applied to him. How he actually fulfilled that Passover. How he fulfilled those, those, those elements and those, those sacraments. I believe he wanted them to understand that the fulfillment of the Passover festival and meal, this thing that the Jewish people had done for years and years, centuries, centuries, he wanted them to know that he was the fulfillment of all of it. He wanted to, them to understand that. And so here's what's amazing. You know, as he's, as he's fervently desiring this and he's communicating these things, it's so neat to think about how Jesus communicated this to 
uh, his 12 disciples in an obscure room, okay? He, he communicated this with them. And from that moment in time, think about this. This is really amazing if you think about it. From that moment in time, this practice, this what he fervently desired to communicate to them has gone on in the church for literally a couple thousand years. <laughs> this is really, truly amazing. This is fantastic. Because you would think if someone would, would do such a thing, there weren't reporters, there, weren't, you know, there wasn't the internet, you know, there wasn't you know, things like this to where we use things to communicate and get the word out and try to convince people of things. This was Jesus, the 12, in a room. <laughs> and they took this message and they began to share it. And they began to remember and they began to do these things. And we are still doing it today in Talmadge, Ohio. And not just us, right? Churches all over the world are doing the same thing. This is truly amazing. I hope you see the, the, you know, how amazing that is. So following Jesus' example, communion should hold deep meaning for us and it should cause us to be humbled by the message that it carries. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to take part in communion once again. And, and, and when, when we do that, as we do that, uh, I just hope that your heart uh, is just um, radiating the joy, the thanks, the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Let's talk about uh, communion. Uh, I want you, if you, if you will, turn to this scripture. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start reading verse 23, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 29. Now, this says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And I want to stop right there. Who's writing this? Right, Paul. Was Paul a believer at the time that Jesus had the, the Last Supper with the Twelve? No, he was not. Uh, in fact, he was on the other side. <laughs> but... Paul, actually, if you go and you, and you read about Paul's life and his conversion, after he was converted, he spent some time with the Lord. And I don't know what that looked like. I, I have no idea. But we know that he spent some time with the Lord Jesus. We know that he was taught and discipled by the Lord because the Lord wanted him to carry the gospel message, carry the, the message of Jesus to the Gentile world. And so... Jesus came, and, and, and I, I'm not sure in what form, but he came to Paul, and he taught Paul some things. He showed Paul some things, and that's basically what Paul's telling us here. He's saying, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And so isn't it interesting that one of the things that the Lord gave to Paul 
to pass on to the Gentile church was communion. I think it speaks of its importance. Amen? And so let's continue reading. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, when, when we, often when we think of that phrase, we think of what's on the front of a communion table, right? Uh, this is scripture. This is Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. And so communion, uh, first and foremost, is a time of remembrance. It's a time to remember. It's a time to remember Jesus. Amen? And uh, who doesn't? enjoy remembering Jesus, right? <laughs> I mean, I love to remember Jesus. I love to think about Jesus. And so uh, these verses remind us that communion is a time to remember the life of Jesus and the great sacrifice of Jesus and the love of Jesus and all these wonderful things. And, and I, um, I have a, a sense of, of remembering Jesus just in my, in my mind, but there's some scriptures that I want to bring to you this morning that's just going to kind of bring out some things to remember about Jesus. And the first one is Philippians uh, chapter 2, 5 through 7. It says, adopt the same attitude, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 5 through 7. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man. And so this reminds us that Jesus left heaven to come here to be with us, right? And, and we, I, I don't often think that, uh, that, that we actually think that through enough. That Jesus left heaven to come to this old dusty earth where he knew what he was going to endure for us. And so that is amazing. That is a, a, a wonderful uh, act of love. And, and I love the fact that one of the songs that we sang was, For God so loved the world that he gave us, right? He gave us his son. And Jesus came and willingly took off the, the royal robe and the, the, the heavenly robe and the, the, the robe of deity and he put on the robe of humanity, the robe of flesh. And how many of us know and understand that the robe of flesh has pain, 
has suffering, has difficulty. I mean, it isn't easy sometimes how this old body feels, right? I know, I know that for a fact. I hope uh, you do too, because if you don't, you're not human. And I hope we're all human here this morning. But Jesus, Jesus did that for us. Uh, in First Peter, uh, chapter two, verse twenty-two, it says these words: "He, being Jesus." He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And so we know that Jesus was perfect. Jesus had no sin. Jesus lived this spotless, sinless life. And why would he do that? Well, he did that so that when he died on the cross, that he would be the kind of sacrifice that would actually be, uh, you know, a good enough sacrifice for the sins of all the world. You know, his sacrifice wouldn't have been uh, good for the, the sins of the world if he had sin himself. But Jesus had no sin. Jesus was perfect in every way. And so if you just go up a couple verses from there into verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And I love the fact that it leads right into Isaiah 53 there. That's, by his wounds you have been healed. That is a quote from Isaiah 53, which a lot of times is a scripture that I love to use for a time of communion. Because in Isaiah 53, uh, 4 through 6, it says, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have turned, we all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. So Jesus took our punishment. He took our punishment. The, the punishment that was really meant for us, the punishment that was really ours to take, Jesus took himself. Jesus took our punishment because he loved us so much. Jesus took our punishment because as he took our punishment in his uh, sinless nature, in his perfect nature, he was able to pay the price for our sins that we could not pay. There is no way that we could have paid the price for our sins. We could die for our sins, and it would have only been what we deserved. <laughs> Jesus died for our sins, and it wasn't what he deserved. So I love the fact that Isaiah, along with Peter, uh, helps us to see that and understand that. As we go back to the book of Peter, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1 this time, verses 18 and 19, it says these words, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. 
Okay, so again, we're, we're, we're getting the idea through Scripture, through not my words, but the words of God, the words of Scripture. These words are telling us very clearly that the price that was paid was paid by Jesus. The price that was paid was really our price to pay, but it wasn't something we could even pay. And Jesus decided to pay it because of his love for us. And he was perfect and he was sinless. And so when he paid the price, it actually saved us and redeemed us and helped us to live a life in which we are free of sin. We are free of the penalty of sin, the penalty of sin, which is death, death for eternity. We are free of all that because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And scripture tells us that over and over and over again. And we're remembering. We're remembering. Now, another scripture that I, that I love that I wanted to bring to you this morning uh, is found in the, uh, the book of, of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it, it has a scripture, and I'm not sure I marked that one. I don't think I did. So I'm doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm turning right to it. Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18. It says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now, the reason I wanted to point that out is because uh, Jesus died. Jesus died on the cross. He died for our sins. He, he literally died, but he is not dead. He is the living one. <laughs> he didn't stay dead, right? Jesus didn't stay dead. And what that does for us is that helps us to understand that death isn't the end for us. When we are in Christ, death is really just the beginning. Death is just the beginning, and we are actually entering that point in time when we die physically, but we are now going to live eternally with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And so I love the fact that when Jesus conquered death for us, he conquered death for us forever, for all of eternity, and praise Jesus for that. Now, the last scripture that I, that I have for you is found in the, uh, the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews, uh, it is a scripture that uh, it helps us to understand that we are actually uh, recipients of now where Jesus is and what he is doing. Okay? And so it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, therefore, since we have a great high priest, who is Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. 
And so Jesus, uh, he, he died, he rose, he was with uh, the disciples and with over 500 others at, in, in his resurrected form. But then he ascended back to heaven to the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing there? He is interceding on our behalf. He is our mediator. He is our great high priest. And so Jesus is actually sitting at the right hand of the Father, understanding what we're going through here because he did put on the flesh. He did understand what it means to suffer in this world. And he is interceding on our behalf. He's like telling the Father, I understand what they're going through. <laughs> it is difficult. And so this is Jesus. And we're remembering him. And we're remembering him with scripture. So as you enter a time of remembering Jesus, you're, you're remembering all of these things. But really, I think the thing that sticks out, that stands out, is when Jesus was saying, remember me. And he was giving the elements of the bread and the cup. He was trying to help us to remember what he went through on our behalf, the suffering part. He wanted us to remember his body broken for us. He wanted us to remember his blood shed for us. And, and why would he want us to remember such a thing? Well, because he knows that as humans, we often forget. We often get to a point where we kind of just take things for granted, right? And so what does communion do? It brings us back to that point and helps us to remember what he wanted us to remember. His great sacrifice for us. Communion is also a time of contemplation. Not only are we to remember what Jesus has done for us, but we're to contemplate that his sacrifice is for us as individuals. Now, basically what I want to communicate with this is, you know, it's just, it, it's really a special thing for us to be taking communion when we're taking it together. Because as we're taking the communion, as we're taking the elements and, and taking them in, we're, we're remembering Jesus uh, it is special that there's someone next to us that's doing the same. There's unity there, right? There's, there's a bond there. We're doing this together. We're remembering together. There, that's very special. But understand this. As we're taking the communion and as we're taking these elements and we're remembering Jesus, it is very personal. It is very personal. We are remembering and understanding and contemplating that Jesus did this for me, right? He did this for me. He did this just for me. And the person next to you saying, he did this just for me. And the next person saying, he did this just for me. <laughs> and it's true. Amen? And so it's important to understand that. Now, Paul said something in the scripture that, that I think is, is really kind of stands out. And you might have heard it before. Uh, he said in 1 Timothy 1.15... Uh, he said, "This is a trustworthy and deserve. Uh, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. <laughs> right? Now, this is Paul, the guy that wrote 
two-thirds of the, the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, he wrote the, most of the majority of the books that we, ha we have in the New Testament. And it, he basically was understanding that if there's anybody in the world that needed Jesus and needed his sacrifice and needed uh, his, his, uh, the price that he paid for the sins of the world, Paul was thinking, if there's anybody that needs that, it's me. And that makes it personal, doesn't it? So this isn't a time to look at, at another person or think that another person really needs that or, boy, that person really needs Jesus or this person over here really needs Jesus. This is a time to think, I really need Jesus. This is for me. Jesus did this for me, and I need this because you are, you are taking and eating the bread. You are taking and, and drinking the cup. And, and so this is personal. And so it's just a few questions. Does Jesus' sacrifice move your heart to worship him? So we should use this time to reflect on what the work of Christ means to us as individuals. We should uh, allow our minds to reflect on what his death and resurrection has accomplished in our lives. You know, just exactly what kind of transformation has taken place in us since that moment in time that we embraced Jesus as our Savior. Because the transformation should be evident, shouldn't it? The, the transformation of what Jesus does in our life should be evident to the world around us. Amen? And so this morning, as I think about it myself, as I stand before you and think about it, I am echoing what Paul is saying. I am echoing what Paul is saying this morning, that if there's anybody in this sanctuary this morning that needs the sacrifice, the, the body and the blood of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, it's me right here. I, I need Jesus so much. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need everything that he has done for me. And I want it to transform me and make me everything that he wants me to be. Amen? So is your walk with Christ all it should be? Are you living in a manner that pleases him? Is your heart right with the Lord? Consider your relationship to the Lord during the time of communion. So it is a time in which we're not just, you know, it's peeling, and it's really hard to sometimes peel that off, right? We get, kind of, we get kind of like distracted sometimes. But we're not just peeling off cellophane and taking in a, a little wafer and, and then drinking a little cup. Of, that, we're doing much more than that. We're doing that and we're thinking about what Jesus has done in our life. The change that he has made. Communion is also a time of identification. 
When we take communion, we're publicly identifying ourselves with Jesus. Now, I love this because, you know, it's possible for a person who doesn't know Jesus to take of the bread and the cup. You know, people can do that. You don't have to be saved to do that. But here's the thing, and please hear me on this. I say this with grace and, and, and with gentleness as much as possible. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never embraced his salvation and you're taking communion, it's meaningless to you. It is. It's meaningless to you. And the reason it's meaningless to you is because the very thing that you're doing is you're, you're, you're celebrating, you're thanking Jesus for what he did for your salvation. So if you're, ta- you're taking it and you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, um, you're actually celebrating something that you've refused. You're actually saying, uh, celebrating something that you have, have, uh, have decided not to do, decided not to embrace. Now, here's the thing, and it's very important for you to understand this. That isn't saying that you're not invited In fact, the opposite is true. In in fact, if you are here today or if you're online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today is your day. Today is your day to say yes to him. Today is your day to embrace that salvation, to embrace what he is offering you today, to embrace his body and his blood, the sacrifice that was made for you. And, and today's the day in which you are just to, to open your heart wide to, to Jesus and allow him to come in and to make you that new creation. If, if you're listening today, if you're here or you're listening online, this is just yet another moment in time that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And, and he loves you so much. He did everything, everything that we're talking about that he did, he did it just for you. He did it so that you would be with him for all of eternity. He loves you that much. I I, I just love the fact that, again, I'll refer back to the songs that we sang, Good, Good Father. I I love the fact that, you know, it says, it's who you are, that's who you are. And then I'm loved by you. That's who I am. You know, so many times we're trying to find our identity in so many different things, right? Right? Let me tell you who your identity, what your identity is. Your identity is that God loves you. God loves you so much he died in your place. That, that is your identity. That's all you need to know about how, how much you are valued, how much you are cared for. I mean, it is a, it's an incredible thing. And so if, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus and you're hearing these words this morning that really communion is meaningless to you, well, I'm telling you this morning, communion can be as meaningful to you as anybody else in this room if you'll just look to Jesus and believe in him and embrace him, embrace his forgiveness, his love for you, his salvation, his redemption for you. He wants that for you so much. And so today's your day. Today's your day. Now here's the other thing, and I just love the fact that this is true. When we are, when we are actually... Um, Doing communion, and, and like I said, it, communion kind of identifies like who we are. We're, we're making a declaration that, we're, that we belong to Jesus, right? And so here's the other thing is, 
the ordinances that we do, which is communion, which is baptism, which is feet washing. In Church of God, we consider those three things ordinances. Those things all identify us with Jesus. Those things all identify us with Jesus. You say, well, I know baptism does because, you know, we say that it's a public declaration of something that's happened, you know, in, in our heart and our soul. Yes, it is. And we publicly are declaring when we're down, going down to the water, we're dying to sin. We're coming back up out of the water into new life and new life in Christ. That's easy to say, oh, yeah, that's a public declaration. This communion is also a public declaration. We are publicly declaring, when we're taking of these elements, we're publicly declaring, this is for me. This is what I embrace. This is what I believe. Jesus died for my sins. I believe that his body was broken for me. I believe that his blood was shed for me. As I do this, I am declaring that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is who I am identifying with. I believe in Jesus. And that's what I want to say. Now, it's a fantastic declaration, amen? Let me just say as a side note, this is a side note. This is extra. This is extra today. When we wash someone's feet, we're also declaring that we are Jesus. We are like Jesus is our Lord. We're following his example. We're doing what he did. We're taking on that heart of a servant and kneeling before someone else and washing their feet. It is something that he... Along with saying, remember, remember, uh, do this in remembrance of me, what else did he do with his disciples on that night? He washed their feet, didn't he? And he said, this is an example for you. <laughs> that was extra. Yeah, you're welcome. Hope you enjoyed it. So Acts 4.12 uh, says something that's... that's and, and first, let me, let me read from Matthew. Uh, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Um, very important scripture text here. Uh, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. It is very important for us to be bold in our faith and identify with Jesus and declare Jesus not just uh, here in this place where it's easy, but all over the place, all through the world, all through our lives. Amen? Amen. So uh, just one more scripture reference, and it, it goes along with what we're talking about with the identification and, and who Jesus is. Uh, it's Acts 4.12. Uh, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus. Amen. Amen. So communion declares that it is only by the sacrifice of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus that we receive salvation and a home in heaven. Anybody want to be in heaven when they die? <laughs> that wasn't as loud as I thought it would be. <laughs> Boy, I hope you do. I mean, the other alternative is not good, so... All right, so there's one last thing in the scripture in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 
that it talks about, that I want to I talk about before we actually take communion together. It's the part where Paul helps the church there in Corinth to understand that they need to examine themselves. And uh, it's a really important thing. And, and again, I've already kind of talked about if you don't know Jesus, if you've never embraced Jesus as your Savior, uh, now's the time to do that. And you can do that and take communion this morning and just praise the Lord and, and thank the Lord for what he's done in your heart and life. But the other part of it is... Um, Approaching a time of communion can be a time in which uh, the person who is in the, has backslidden is is kind of self-examining themselves. They're they're trying to they're 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 understanding that there is a time and a place to turn back to the Lord. You know. In a backslidden state, you've kind of turned your back on the Lord and you're walking away from him. You're kind of doing your own thing. You've decided to, to do whatever you want, whatever you wish. And when you come to a time of communion, if you're in that state, it's a time to do some examination. It's a time to examine yourself and to realize where you are and where you need to be. And if you're in that backslidden state and you're walking away from the Lord, you're, you're doing your own thing, you're kind of turned your back on Jesus and you're walking your own direction, it is time to turn back to the Jesus. Amen? And so uh, when it comes to the verse, uh, verse 28, back to 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 28, it says, let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Uh, Paul basically, listen, he's talking to the church in Corinth. Why, was he, why would he want the church in Corinth to examine themselves? Because Paul knows what we all know here. That just because you step foot in a church doesn't mean that you're walking step by step with Jesus. You know, sometimes we stray. Sometimes, like I said, we backslide. We, we have a time in which we've kind of maybe turned our back to the, uh, to the Lord. And, and, and so I want to give you a, a, and I'll end with this. I want to give you a, a personal testimony of mine. Uh, I got saved when I was five years old. And it was a church camp. I, we, we were at church camp, and I was at, in the children's church camp. And, and uh, there was a lady there that, her name was Mary, and she had a puppet named Danny. And Mary and Danny, uh, you know, she, she was fantastic. She, she'd sing with that puppet, and she was really good. Uh, Barbie knows Mary and Danny. And so, but she was so good, and she brought a message through her puppet to Children's Camp Church. And at age five, I thought I was the worst sinner in the world. And, uh, and I, I remember I, when she gave an invitation, and I got up, and I came forward, and I gave my heart. I gave my heart to the Lord, you know, and, uh, and it was just fantastic. And I, and I remember all of that very distinctly, and it was a wonderful time in my life. But you can imagine at age five, going through school, <laughs> by the time I reached high school, I, was, I wasn't following Jesus. I was putting on a good show. I was putting on a good act because my parents always had me in church. I was in church every time the doors were open. 
And so I knew how to act. I knew how to, like, you know, talk the talk. I'm not going to say walk the walk. I knew how to talk the talk. And so uh, I was just living really the way I wanted to live uh, and just putting on a good show. Uh, but I knew I wasn't living with the Lord. So it was my junior year of high school, and we were at a Maundy Thursday service. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Monday Thursday service is a, a service where you do communion and feet washing. And so uh, we were doing the communion first. And so the way it was happening was the pastor, uh, his name is Don Myers, Reverend Don Myers, great man. Um, he was actually uh, sharing from 1 Corinthians 11. And he was sharing this part about examine yourself. You know, and so what was happening was they were, he was, after he got done sharing from the scripture, he was dismissing row by row. Each row was coming up, the altars taking the communion together. You know, they go back, the next row would come forward. We were sitting towards the back. And the whole time that was happening, you know, there was music playing. And, you know, the whole time that was happening, the Holy Spirit was convicting my heart. The Holy Spirit was just convicting my heart and just, I was, again, I was convinced by the Spirit of God, I was convinced that I was a mess. My life was a mess. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't following Jesus. I was doing my own thing. And I'm telling you what, when, our, when it came time for our row to get up and to go forward, we got up, moved out into the aisle, and instead of going forward, I went back. I went out the door of the sanctuary and out the door of the church. I went outside the building. I want to tell you, um, I thank the Lord for a godly mother. <laughs> I wish you could have met her. She, you would have loved her. And she would have loved you. <laughs> She's amazing. She's with Jesus now. But my godly mom, she didn't go forward either. <laughs> she started to go forward, then she realized I was going backwards. And she followed me out the sanctuary doors, out the, the church doors to outside. And I'm not going to go into every detail, but her and I had a talk. And she was so, she was so loving and so gracious. And she led me back to Jesus. She led me back to Jesus. So along with the word and the spirit and a godly mother... I came back into the church, back into the sanctuary. Everybody was gone by now. They were in feet washing service. And I went forward with my mom. She got my dad and she got the pastor. And right there, I took communion with my mom, my dad, and my pastor. Now, I tell you that because... Is one of the best communions I've ever taken. <laughs> because I knew when I went forward, 
and I had gotten back with Jesus that I was taking communion with the right heart. So here's the thing. This morning, we're going to take communion together. And it is a time of remembering Jesus. It is a time to remember all that Jesus has done, all that he is to us. It is a time to make it personal. It is for you. It is a time of declaration. I am with Jesus. But it's also a time to examine yourself and make sure that your relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be. So it can be a very powerful moment in your life today. I'm going to ask if you'll get out the, the cup. And peel that top layer off. And what we're going to do is we're going to allow the book of Matthew, we're going to allow Matthew to lead us through this. And as we're doing this, we're remembering Jesus. We're remembering all that he's done for us. We're remembering that it's for us. We're declaring <laughs> that we are with Jesus. We are examining ourselves. And so in this moment, before we start, I want to give you a moment of quiet to talk to Jesus. there's anything anything in our hearts and anything in our lives that doesn't belong there we give it over to you right now Lord if there's any bitterness we, we release it to you we, we don't we don't want to harbor bitterness in our heart if there's an unforgiving spirit towards anyone in our lives we, we pray that you help us to forgive and be gracious we commit to you right now, Lord, that we will be a person of reconciliation, restitution. Lord, if there's any kind of sinful habit or sinful thing that seems to have our number today, we surrender that over to you. We, As the song said earlier, we, we're going to lay it at the foot of the cross. 
we just ask, Lord, that you'll forgive us, that you'll redeem us, that you'll wash us, that you'll make us new, that you'll make us everything that you want us to be. We're examining ourselves, but Lord, what we're really doing is we're opening our heart wide for your Holy Spirit to examine us and tell us, tell us if there's any wrong motive, any wrong thing that's there. And if there is, and you reveal it to us, we're giving it back to you and saying, Lord, forgive me. Take it. I surrender it to you. We want to take communion this morning in a way that honors you and honors your sacrifice. It honors what you've done for us. We want to remember all that you have done and remember your suffering for us. We want to declare your death till you come back. We want to declare that we identify with you. We are yours. Help us, Lord, as we take this be fully engaged with you. Yes. So in Matthew 26, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Let's take and eat. took a cup after giving thanks he gave it to them and said drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins let's take the cup and now let's pray together thanking him praising him Jesus we have taken these elements today. Lord, this bread and this cup, we have taken them and we are remembering, Jesus, all that you have done for us. First of all, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. <clears throat> Lord, it's just a, a, an amazing thing that, that the King of glory, <laughs> the Lord of all creation, the Alpha and Omega, would humbly submit his body to be broken on our behalf. And Lord, we think of how your body was broken. Lord, not a bone was broken, but Lord, we know your flesh was broken for us. We know that your flesh was torn with the whip, and the crown of thorns, the spear in the side, the nails in your hands and feet. We thank you for your body broken for us. 
And we thank you, Lord, for your blood shed for us. And Lord, as you embraced that cross, 